It was a number of years ago that I was able to go and to visit the Holy Land. And as you might expect, there are a lot of different sites that are worth seeing over in the land of Israel. That a lot of those different places that we hear about in the Old Testament, that you can go and see those places. But probably what we're more interested in, at least in our own time, is seeing those places where Jesus Christ himself was. The places he ministered, the places he walked, the places he went and preached. All those different locations that seem so important and so essential. And yet there's just a few that serve as cornerstones of the entire experience. And one of the most powerful for me in particular was that place of the Holy Sepulchre. Now it's inside a church at this point in time, but you go in and you can visit and you can pray at the very exact spot where Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. Then in fact you can even go and touch that very spot. And what a powerful and tremendous thing it is. But even as we experience it over time, it's not just because it was, ex it was a powerful experience so long ago, over 2,000 years ago, in fact, but it's something that's still powerful to this day. Because we can imagine what it was like for those disciples that morning, how they approached and they saw that very stone itself, that very holy sepulcher, and they were immediately astounded because something unexpected has happened, that Jesus Christ has risen. Truly, this moment changed everything, and it happened at that very spot. But why does it matter for us right now, as we consider the resurrection 2,000 years later, what are we supposed to do with that information? How are we supposed to experience what the disciples saw that Easter morning? If we begin back at the very beginning of the liturgy, we start with the book of the Acts of the Apostles. And it tells us a very profound story about Peter in specific, about how he was going forward and testifying to what had happened. And notice, during the entirety of the Passion, Peter's waffling around that he's struggling to follow the Lord Jesus. That in fact, several times he denies that he even knows who Jesus is. So ashamed and so embarrassed is he at that time. But notice how things have changed. That this particular account is taken after the resurrection, and he's filled with power and he's filled with this boldness and this courage that we haven't seen before. And what is he saying? He's testifying to Jesus how he's gone over all of Judea and all of Galilee, how he was, a, he was mighty in word and mighty in deed, how he went and he healed the sick and how he drove out demons and all these different magnificent things. And as he's preaching to the Jews and as he's preaching to the people that were listening at the time, what happens? He suffers, he dies, and he's laid in the tomb. But Peter's aware now, at this point, he realizes that this is not the end, but only the beginning. And so he talks about how he was risen on the third day. And indeed, that's a powerful and unexpected turn of events. But nonetheless, he tells that the prophets have told from of old that those who adopt the Lord as king, those who follow him, and those who believe in him, will have, by the power of the resurrection, the forgiveness of their sins. Truly, this is a profound moment that changes everything. We move on and we hear from St. Paul in his letter to the Colossians, and it reminds all of those who live after Christ and those who are baptized into Christ's life to seek after what is above, not to live for the things below, to truly seek after those things that live the life of heaven even here on earth, and to put to the side those things that are of the earth itself. 
because they want to be a part of Christ's glory. Not just any indiscriminate or undescribed glory, but the glory of Christ's resurrection in specific. Because it's that glory that restores them to life and gives them not only glory in this life, but in the life to come. So St. Paul's speaking to the Colossians in very bold and very powerful language, telling them, seek what is above, seek what is arisen, because your Savior has indeed risen as well. Then finally we move on to the Gospel testimony of John, of that very early morning when Mary of Magdala was going forward to seek what, had, what was in the tomb, Jesus' body, at least she thought. And she approaches while it's still dark, and she sees that the stone is rolled away, and is instantly terrified, because all of a sudden she can't quite comprehend what has happened. And so she, she goes back and she seeks after the disciples to tell them what has happened. So Peter and John, they go forward and they run to the tomb because they're so filled with disbelief at what has occurred. And yet they get there, and what do they see? The burial cloths are still there. This is indicative not that the body has been stolen because the burial cloths would have been taken with the body, but instead they're rolled up and laid to the side. So this is truly something magnificent. It's something monument monumental. It's something fantastic. And yet they see that, and they aren't quite sure what to do with it just yet. Because they tell us, even in this gospel, they didn't quite understand the scriptures. That in the time of Jesus, while he was walking with them, they weren't quite sure what it meant to rise on the third day, or they weren't sure what he was talking about. And yet it happens nonetheless. That it took them some time to figure out what exactly this mystery meant for them, but how it changed their life. Because truly, this moment, it changes everything. And my brothers and sisters, we hear about these testimonies, we hear about all of these things, and we can think about how it impacted life generations ago, and hundreds, and even thousands of years. And we hear about it, and we think about the glory or the joy that they might have experienced, or even the trepidation and the fear. What does it mean for us right here, right now? What does it mean for us who are sitting in these pews or listening? What does it change for each and every one of us? Well, first, we should realize that from the gospel testimony, from what has been said, that in fact, what Jesus Christ has said was true. That even the most unbelievable, even the most challenging of teachings that he had given, how he needed to suffer and to die and to rise again, that even this proved true. And it really proves true everything that he said, everything that he promised, everything that he taught. It was all there. It was all verified. It was all what God had planned. And so it gives us that reality check that it tells us indeed what Jesus said, what he taught, what we are to believe, that it's all true, it's all been verified, that the resurrection itself, it gives us that stamp and lets us know how genuine this is and how God's Spirit is moving in our midst, even here and right now. But the second thing we should realize is just this profound moment, that in fact God took the worst of all evils, death and sin itself, and made something truly good and abounding in goodness, even overflowing in goodness. And he took it and made something good out of it. And that's a powerful thing. Because he took death itself, he took that reality of the tomb, and he blew those doors open. And in fact, he restores life and restores eternity to us. That even through the worst of the afflictions, even through those worst moments, he really wanted to change our life and change it for the better. But my brothers and sisters, how many of us have those two moments? 
How many of us feel like we're dead or we're sorrowful or that we're no good or that we feel like we have those moments that just afflict us and cause us pain or sadness, despair or discouragement? How many of us feel like we're in the tomb right now? Because Jesus doesn't just come so long ago, but he wants to come into our reality. That he wants to give us that experience of resurrection and renewal, even in the worst of our moments, even in those moments that we might not feel or all that good or all that promising. That Jesus Christ, if we adhere to the message of resurrection and that message of hope, then we truly can experience that power of the resurrection. We can experience it in a new and a powerful way. Because, in fact, we need that resurrection as well. That even in the moments that might feel like the tomb, and we might feel that sadness or that discouragement, even as the disciples might have felt, truly Jesus wants to enter in. But we have to be willing to let him into our hearts and our souls and let him have access first. Then the final thing that we should consider is the fact that this resurrection, it is a choice for us. Because as much as I've told you that the resurrection in this profound moment, whenever the tomb was found open, when Jesus Christ rises from the dead, it changes everything. It's still a choice nonetheless. Because my brothers and sisters, there's a very real danger that we could hear about this resurrection and that we could simply go out into the parking lot, forget all about it, and drive away as if nothing ever happened. But what a travesty that would be. What a sadness that would be for our Lord and for our God, because he wants to restore us to this joy, this hope, and this expectation, that he wants to fill us with that life, and life abundantly. But we're going to miss out if we don't take it to ourselves. Because my brothers and sisters, when we come to the tomb, it's not just for the disciples, it's for each and every one of us. Because in fact, we're invited into that tomb as well, but it's a choice. Because when Mary of Magdala, she approached that tomb, she saw that the tomb was empty, and she went and told other people that she made a choice in that moment. We're going to witness that same exact tomb that's been blown open, that the bonds of death don't even have power over Jesus, that we found the same exact thing in the burial claws that are on the side. Do we believe that? Do we find it as important and as essential as the words of the scriptures and the words of the gospel tell us that it is? Is it as powerful and impactful and as magnificent as what it tells us it is? Because so often we can minimize it and we can kind of put it to the side. We can say that's nice and then we kind of go on. But in fact, this should change everything. This isn't just a moment for today. This isn't just a moment so long ago. This is a moment for every moment of our every day of our every life and every encounter that we have. That it should change, it should impact, it should influence everything. And that's really the choice, my brothers and sisters. Because when St. Paul is speaking in that letter to the Colossians, he's telling them, if you have been baptized in Christ, seek what is above. Let your life be changed, and not just changed in some indiscriminate way, not just changed in some abstract way, but changed for the better. Let your life arise. Let it be lived as if in conjunction with our Lord and with our God who has risen from the grave. Are we so bold to let that happen? Because we see Peter as well. We see the ways that he's changed. How the resurrection comes into his reality. It changes everything. And even the worst moments that he felt like he couldn't testify to the Lord, we see that that has resurrected as well. Are we willing to let ourselves resurrect? 
Because my brothers and sisters, we all have areas of our life that we wish would resurrect or that would rise with Jesus. We all have areas where we need to let Jesus in, and we need to let the light of Christ in in a more powerful way. And I dare say it might be a challenge, but nonetheless, it's an important one, and it's one that gives us life, it gives us joy, it gives us hope, and it gives us all of these things abundantly. But my brothers and sisters, we also live in a world of darkness. We live in a world that does not know the end, that doesn't know where it's headed or where it's going. It largely seems filled with chaos and confusion without the clarity of the gospel to guide it. Are you and I willing to go forward from the empty tomb and to speak those words that others need to hear? In each of our lives, we likely have friends, we have family members, we have acquaintances that need to hear the message of the gospel, and they need to hear how Jesus Christ has saved them and wants to save them in all the more. But are we willing to go forward and speak to this world of chaos, confusion, and darkness? Because, my brothers and sisters, as much as this moment changes everything, it's something for us to consider how we're going to go forward and change everything ourselves. Because it's not just a message for us to hear and kind of set to the side. It's a message for us to hear, to believe, and to have our lives changed, and ultimately to go out to the streets and go out to our brothers and sisters and tell them how it's willing to change them as well. Because this isn't just a moment for the Holy Sepulchre. This isn't just a moment for when you visit the Holy Land. It's a powerful moment, and it's powerful if you do. But that shouldn't be the most important or more essential part. The fact of the matter is that the tomb was opened, and that Jesus Christ has risen from the grave. This truly is great news, but it's a choice for each and every one of us to adopt that news, and to adopt it, and to change our lives, to see that Jesus Christ has risen. He has risen indeed. My brothers and sisters, Christ is risen, the grave has been found open, and the burial claws are laying to the side. Truly, this moment, it changes everything.